Another rebound in a crowd by the Brock Ness Monster. Ooh, that would be Pedro. Ooh. Jim Bob Foley, holy moly. How about the Tasmanian Slovenian with the stop, drop, and pop? Tiffany Hop to the King's Herald Barbershop. You're listening to the King's Herald Show, a bi-weekly NBA podcast that covers all the ups and downs, ins and outs of your one and only Sacramento Kings. As always, I'm your host, Will Griffith, and with me today, writer for the King's Herald, my co-host, Tony Zipteris. Tony, how's it going? Will, it's going great. We've got a Summer League MVP in Sacramento. I could not be happier. It could not mean more. And I am excited to talk Summer League with you and Jerry today. He's a, uh, he's a former Sacramento Kings head coach, GM and color analyst, general manager of a WNBA champion, Indiana Basketball Hall of Famer, and the true pride of French Lick himself, Jerry Reynolds. Jerry, as always, it is a pleasure to have you today. How's it going? Oh, it's great to be back, especially as uh, Tony pointed out, you know, kind of the annual MVP of the Summer League going to the Kings. It's a sort of an annual (laughs) event now. Mm -hmm. We're going to go ahead and just rename the Summer League MVP, the Sacramento Kings Summer League MVP Award. We're going to do it that way. Yes. So uh, as Tony mentioned, as, as Jerry's hyped up, the uh, Sacramento Kings might not have won back-to-back Summer League championships, but they do have back-to-back Summer League MVPs with uh, Keegan Murray taking home the honors after averaging uh, 23.3 points, 7.3 rebounds, uh, two assists, 1.3 steals, all while shooting 50% from the field, 40% from uh, three-point range out there in uh, four games in Vegas. Uh, we talked about Keegan Murray after the California Classic. But how has his play, guys, impacted you and your opinions of him now that uh, he's taking home some uh, summer league hardware? Well, you know, I, I thought he was going to be a really good rookie uh, before he was drafted. And it looks like uh, he's <laughs> going to be a really good rookie. And I think actually it turned out, honestly, the summer league performance I thought was better than I expected. You know, I mean, there's certainly none of the other rookies had those kind of shooting numbers. And, uh, he, you know, he took and took big shots. So uh, very encouraging, very encouraging. Tony, what about you? Yeah, I I can't say I expected him to win MVP of of the whole thing. Not that that even matters a ton, but I think when you draft a player fourth overall and one of his best characteristics or one of the biggest reasons why you drafted him is that NBA readiness and the polish that he has in his game. You do kind of want to see that guy like at, at the top end of that, he is winning the MVP in summer league. So it was encouraging to see that, uh, that he was as advertised because the Kings have drafted players who you had some expectations coming in and they were a different guy once they got here. Once you saw him play basketball with Kiki Murray, it was, it was, you know, this is kind of what we hoped would happen. You draft a guy at fourth who, who is this NBA ready player. And he definitely looked that in summer league. Jerry, I'm curious. We were watching those games in uh, um, early on, especially the, uh, the overtime game that, uh, that Keegan Murray sent to overtime with a three-pointer right there at the buzzer. And I was curious um, what you thought of the overtime rules when it comes to summer league, where they, uh, where they play golden goal. I kind of like it. Uh, you know, I mean, it certainly makes sense in summer league. Uh, I used to, to drag it out, but that's fine. And uh, like I say, that was a, an, an interesting finish, but yeah, I watched every one of the, the summer league game. Well, I'll take, take that back after the game that uh, Keegan and those guys didn't play. I really didn't. So I, 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 I apologize to all of you that think I never do anything else, but I, I found something else I'd rather do. Uh, but the, the ones he played in, uh, I certainly watched every minute, really enjoyed it. I, I thought, uh, you know, and I love his, I love his uh, shot. I mean, he gets it away quick and uh, range. I mean, and it's almost a Tyrese Halliburton 
uh, type shot where he really just gets it in his hands and it's gone if he gets his feet set. So, you know, pretty, uh, pretty nice stuff. And he makes free throws too. Yeah. He makes free throws too. Was there anything that you guys saw uh, that, that stood out to you and that he needs something that he needs to improve on? Was there anything glaring to you guys in terms of uh, the prospect that he is that if he's going to start or if he's going to play significant minutes for a Kings, uh, for a King squad, that's trying to make the playoffs this year that he really, really needs to tighten up before, uh, before the start of the season. Well, the only thing for me, uh, you know, be interesting to see what Tony thinks, but I, I think he's got to be more physical. Uh, you know, he's got a lot of skill and I mean, he's not uh, soft by any means, but uh, the game will, uh, it's going to get a lot more physical and he's going to have to be willing to put his body on some people and not just react. I mean, he's a very fundamental, smart, solid player, but uh, the game, uh, the game is going to get more physical and he'll have to adjust. I, I think he will. Uh, it may not be right away, but, but I, I, but that to me, I was really concerned about his ability to put the ball on the floor and, and make plays or, or finish. And I thought the more he played, the better he got at that. He showed you the ability to kind of get to the basket. He's got the good left hand and uh, yeah, as opposed to the bad left hand, which is, <laughs> which, uh, <laughs> so, uh, so that, that's interesting, but uh, yeah, a lot to like, a lot to like. Tony, what about you? Yeah, I guess for me, the only thing, and I kind of touched on this, I think last episode, but it, you know, it kept it kept popping up to me as we watched Summer League go through, and that's just his position. And if his pairing is going to be Harrison Barnes in the front court, I don't like either one of those guys out on the wing. And I think Jerry sort of touched on the physicality. That's an issue in the paint, and it's an issue for Harrison Barnes too. So it's how do those two guys fit around Sabonis, who is also not a rim protector. So now you've got, you know, if this is your starting front court and center, you've got Sabonis, you've got Keegan Murray, you've got Harrison Barnes. That's pretty dynamic on offense, but there are some real question marks on defense in year one. And that's not all Keegan Murray's fault, but he wasn't not that he was supposed to be, but he wasn't this physical defender or he wasn't a, a rim protector. Again, not necessarily traits you expect from him, but if that's going to be the group, if it's going to be Sabonis, Murray and Barnes, there are still some pretty big in my mind, like defensive issues with that, with that three, with that trio. Yeah, I think for me going into summer league, I was a little bit concerned about his ball handling, Jerry, like you were talking about. And I, I came away. I don't think he's a, a good ball handler necessarily, but I think he's a crafty one that he, you know, he showed a lot in terms of being able to like, he'd put a pump fake and then he'd spin by the guy and get into the paint to do something. Or he'd, he had a couple of step backs that kind of surprised me where he had a combination of little moves that, that gained him some space that I kind of, Oh, okay. He's better at this than I thought he was. I still think he needs to tighten that up quite a bit, especially if Tony said, like, if he's going to be playing time at the three, I think there's going to be some opportunities where that handle is going to be a little loose and people are going to be able to poke it away. But with De'Aaron Fox and, and Demontis Sabonis having their hands on the ball so often, I think for a lot of his first season, he's just going to be kind of a catch and shoot guy more often than he's going to be asked to go out there and make a move, go out there and do something like that. So it was, it was, a, it was a nitpick of mine that I was kind of at least – you know, there was a balm on that a little bit by the end of summer league. Well, that's a good point. I think, I mean, I think you hit it there that, that he's not a finished product and he's not going to be for a while. And, uh, you know, I, and I couldn't agree more. I think that would be my concern going forward. If that's your starting lineup, uh, I would say this, I don't know what coach Brown will do, but there's one way you can sort of uh, make up for that. If, if you really want to really uh, pressure the ball a lot more, get the game off the, off the glass and your guards uh, kind of keep the ball in front of them, you know, so uh, you can, 
you know, you can play small and not get hurt so bad at the basket if, in fact, uh, you really make a commitment. And, and certainly Barnes and him are athletic enough to where they could put enough pressure and overplay, take some chances, which I think yeah. I think they should. Uh, you know, and certainly we know that, you know, Fox could. And, and you know, with Monk, I, I think he's a decent defender. And I know uh, certainly Herter's pretty darn good one. And, and Davion's great. Uh, so... So anyway, yeah, there, there's a way they can make up for some of it, but you're exactly right. To, that's why, as Kings fans, we will not be worried about getting rings next year. That, that's exactly <laughs> why. So that wasn't you, Jerry, that made the $10,000 bet on the Kings winning uh, the NBA title next year? I wouldn't make a $10,000 bet on uh, the Warriors if they got Durant and, <laughs> and Giannis. <laughs> I'm curious, Jerry, only because you brought it up. And this has been something that I've seen kind of talked about online, both uh, at the Kings Herald and also on Twitter. Um, Mike Brown's kind of got a, uh, he's got a kind of a task before him to set kind of defensive concepts as well as introduce a new offense. And uh, is that something, do you think, I mean, Las Vegas, I think put out the, the over under on the Kings at 31 and a half wins. And uh, I saw some people kind of slamming the over on that one saying, you know, they should really, you know, if you're going to bet, bet the over on that one. And my hesitation always on that is that, like, well, it's going to take some time for Mike Brown to get his team to buy into the defense and get his team settled on offense the way he wants them to play. Is that something that can be done in one offseason, in one, you know, in one training camp? Or is that going to be a multi-year thing before they are the product that Mike Brown wants them to be? Well, I mean, truthfully, I, I don't th think it takes all that long. I mean, you know, Yudoka at, at, at Boston would be a good case in point. Uh, uh, so I know, I think you can, uh, you know, and with coach Brown, he's coming in with a lot of credibility and, and a lot of reason for the, for the players to buy in. And so, uh, you know, the, now maybe, you know, to me, the effort stuff should be pretty apparent right away. Uh, obviously missing assignments, things like that. Yeah. You, you can give a pass for that, but, uh, I always said, I mean, you play a lot of games and so if Yes, I guess what I'm trying to say is the defense should be improved. I mean, Coach Brown should be able to improve the defense within a and to to a noticeable effect within a 15 games or so, if if not even sooner, in my opinion. So, um, was there anything on the other guys that we talked about last time? Has anything moved the needle on guys like Keon Ellis, Anemius Keda after seeing the whole breadth of their play during summer league? Well, I mean, from my opinion, I, mean, I like Ellis. I mean, I think he's got a chance to be a, an NBA player at some point. I mean, I don't know where he'd get time right now, but a guy, he he takes and makes shots, takes good shots, you know, which is nice, and and guards, guards his man, and uh, a lively athlete. So so there's a lot to like there. Uh, Kata, you know, there's a basketball player in that big, huge body. Uh you know, I mean, that's what I like. I mean, he can actually make a few plays and, and you know, it's got a few moves. They're, they're not, not going to be confused with the Kim Olajuwon anytime soon. But but I, I think, I sure think he's worth uh, making sure he plays. If he's not playing in the G League, uh, get him up and, and try to get him some minutes every game. I mean, don't just, you know, don't just have him up for practice or sitting on the bench all year. I mean, I think he, to, to say he could be a third string center, that's not a stretch at all.
Yeah, I thought Keon Ellis, after struggling to shoot in the California Classic, I have the numbers up here, so I'm not my memory isn't that good. But he shot two for ten from three uh, in San Francisco, and then in Vegas he shot thirteen for twenty four, fifty four percent. He's obviously not going to shoot fifty four percent from three forever, but that's to me is the only thing for him. I think his defense. I mean, you put him on the Kings right now, and he's probably. I want to say maybe the second best perimeter defender on the roster behind Davion. I mean, he's already a very, very good to me, NBA level defender. If he can do anything on offense to stay on the floor, then I think Monty McNair found a, a pretty good player, a pretty good steal here um, on a two-way contract. And again, 54% in Vegas is, is super encouraging on volume too. I mean, he was really shooting them and they were going in more often than not. Um, so that's the, that's the whole key for Ellis. And I think that's a, uh, that, I'm more excited about Ellis or, or I feel better about Ellis than anyone the Kings have brought in at this stage as a second round pick, whether that's, you know, Woodard, Ramsey, I don't know how far, far back you want to go. Even Kata, I feel better about Ellis than Kata and I like Kata. So um, that's just very exciting. Anytime you can find just a, if you can get a rotation player undrafted, so much team control at, at a good contract level, that's a, that's a huge win for NBA teams. We see it every year. These guys crop up um, Herb Jones. He's not going to make a Herb Jones type, you know, impression. He, Herb Jones was a, was a draft pick for the Pelicans, but you can see how far just having a really good defender who can do a little bit on offense can go for a team. And I think Keon Ellis can be that. We'll see if he gets opportunity this year, but I really liked what I saw from him in summer league. Okay. So we're going to move on to, uh, to some, uh, some roster moves that the Kings made or didn't make in the, in the process of the last couple of weeks. The first one being that Sean Cunningham was the first to report that uh, the Kings would not be bringing in Sasha Vesenkoff, as uh, many had speculated for the last couple of weeks since the draft. Um, Sean says that the team will continue to monitor him in the upcoming season and hold his draft rights and the possibility exists to bring him over next season. That lefty forward uh, for Olympiacos, he, he has an NBA buyout for the, for the next two years of his deal. Are you guys uh, are you guys bummed? Are you guys indifferent about this news? Is this a needle mover for you? Or you, or you just don't care about it because it never happened and was never going to happen to begin with? I didn't think it was going to happen, but I, I would say it's, it's probably worked out about the best, in, in, in my opinion. I'm just not sure uh, what role he had, had anyway, and he's a, a more of a veteran player that we expected to play. You, you know, Euros don't come over and being happy about not playing, and, and, and I understand that, and he made that point clear. So I, I kind of think it's a, it's a nice value stash. That's the way I would look at it. I'm a little disappointed only because that was what kept me from being disappointed in the second round of the draft this year. It's like, Oh <laughs> yeah, they sold these picks, but if Sasha comes over, that could be something. So I guess we're, we're stuck in that boat for another year. Maybe he'll come over next year and, and have an impact, or maybe the Kings just sold second round picks for nothing. I guess it's, it's too early to, to make a call on that, which is, um, I don't like that. I like being able to know right away. So <laughs> I guess we'll have to just wait and see. So the delayed gratification isn't for you, Tommy. Is that what I'm hearing? No, it's not me. I want to know <laughs> if I should be happy or sad about something immediately. I don't want to have to wait for it. Well, uh, to soothe any lingering pain that Tony uh, uh, might have had about losing Sasha, uh, last Friday, the Kings then went ahead and signed uh, Casey Ocapala to a two-year vet minimum deal at a, a right around $2 million a season. Uh, the 23-year-old forward was selected uh, 32nd overall in the 2019 draft by Miami, where he struggled to get minutes. And uh, he played for Mike Brown um, for the uh, Nigerian national team, where Brown had high praise for Okapala, saying uh, he could be a defensive player of the year type candidate. Uh, the Kings had seemingly prioritized shooting so far this offseason, and now we're seeing a Mike Brown favorite on defense get signed. Uh, what did you guys think of the deal uh, when the news got dropped? 
Well, that, that's kind of the way I took it. I mean, I thought, well, th this is a Mike Brown guy. He knows him. Uh, you know, obviously, Monty McNair, had, pretty clear, it seems he went along with it. And I think that's good. You know, if you're going to fill out your roster, you know, if, you, if there's somebody you think might be a, a bit of a help in spots, and it appears that's what uh, Coach Brown thinks. And uh, I would have no reason to think otherwise. Uh, you know, if he's that good on defense, there's no downside to having him. Yeah, I like this too. I, anytime you can fill out the end of your bench with upside, I'm a fan of that because you can go get, like, let's say the Kings start the season and they really need a veteran in there. Someone gets injured. You can go out and find like a Mo Harkless or if he gets bought out or a Corey Brewer type, you can find those 35, 36 year old vets that can give you 15 minutes. So you might, until you need that, you might as well to me, use those roster spots on guys like KZ and uh, his defensive potential is, is something this team needs. I don't know if he'll find minutes because it sounds like to me, and I'm not going to pretend like I watched him play a ton over the years, that he's more of a four on offense because he can't really shoot, but he's good enough on defense to guard out on the perimeter or inside. So finding out where he can play in this lineup might be challenging because they can't really afford non-shooters, but what they do need is a physical long defender on the wing, and there might be spots during the season where KZ fills that role. And if he proves he can shoot, then kind of like Keon Ellis, you may have found a rotation player at a very inexpensive contract. And at, I think he's, what, 23 years old? I think that's a very uh, worthwhile gamble, especially when Mike Brown and this entire coaching staff really has a lot of experience with him. So they would know better than I would know. They would know better than maybe anyone in the league what this player could be uh, given an opportunity. Looking at guys like Keon Ellis, looking at, uh, um, at guys getting signed like Casey Okapala, and, and we're going to talk about uh, Chima uh, Monarchy next. Um, it, Jerry, I'm curious, just you as a GM and you as a coach, uh, some of these guys are brought in and it seems to me like they're getting brought in because they have a specific, like, uh, I guess, I guess if we're, if we're being trendy, I'd say they've all got that dog in them. You know, these guys are all defenders. These guys are all, you know, hustlers. These guys have all kind of gotten it out of positions where they're, you know, they weren't expected to do much and, and, and they're, you know, they're hard workers. They're the, they're the lunch pail guys of the NBA. Do you think uh, Mike Brown is signing some of these guys to set a tone in, 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 in their practices that, that maybe they won't do much in the regular season in terms of minutes, but like they're trying to build a culture. And these are the guys that'll kind of be the perimeter guys around the edges and the fringes there that are setting that culture for the first couple of years of Brown's tenure. You know, I, I do. I think that's exactly it. And I think it's very smart, you know, as, as Tony pointed out, I mean, bringing in some dog, how about young dogs, young dogs that they, that the coach wanted and, and those, as you said, not likely are they going to play, but you really need to, to set that tone early. And if you're going to change, you know, and get guys to, to buy in, uh, you, you need, you kind of need to set that tone. And, and like I say, uh, that's why if you're going to improve your defense, uh, you know, if people want to wait till game 60, uh, you'll probably be waiting till game 60 next year as well. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's, so I, I think it's really smart. I think Coach Brown knows these guys. And I think another point I think I'd make is that Monty McNair does appear that Monty McNair and Coach Brown are on the same page trying to work with each other to uh, put together something that is workable so I, I think that's a good a very good sign. Tony what about you as, as a fan are you seeing are you seeing the writing on the wall here that uh, things aren't the same as they were last year? I think well I will see if they are the same or they aren't the same but I think the philosophy this offseason has been much better than recent memory for me Anyways, the kind of guys they're bringing in for the positions they're bringing them in. And, and like Jerry said, the fact that these guys are young, I mean, the practices are going to be crazy, not only because these guys are 
really good physical defenders at the end of the bench, but they're fighting for their NBA lives. Like how, how long has uh, Chima gone to France, gone to, to Spain, Nigerian national team, just to get an opportunity. And now he has one. You think he's going to go easy at practice? I don't think so. I don't think these guys are going to, are going to go easy in practice at all. So it's going to be some tough practices. And again, coming from, Coming from Luke Walton and Alvin Gentry, it might be a culture shock for some of these guys. I don't imagine, I don't imagine they faced this kind of coaching or this kind of uh, physicality in practice that they're going to get under Mike Brown. And it's something that we've all been asking for in some some way or another. So, um, but at the end of the day, who knows if it'll work or not? We'll see. But I like I like the idea. The idea to me, at least it can work. Where in other off seasons with certain coaching staffs, it was like ah, I don't know if this is going to work at all. At least this path forward to me. I don't know. I, you can see the vision. You can see the vision. So uh, we, we talked about him, but now I want to fully introduce him here. So you guys get a chance to, uh, to talk about him uh, this weekend. The Kings also signed a Chima Monaki, who was a, a 26 year old, six foot six Nigerian Australian forward who, uh, who just won MVP of uh, the basketball champions league with a uh, backseat Manresa um, last season. And who uh, he's kind of a local guy in terms of where he played college ball. He played a uh, basketball at UC Davis. You got to start out in UC Davis. Um, do you guys have any thoughts on him? I know he's kind of a, uh, kind of in the background guy. I know that he's kind of, he's been one of those guys that has had to pull himself up from, from B leagues in France and whatnot to, to get to this point. Do you guys have any thoughts on him? I don't know very much about him. I, I've seen him play a little. And I mean, the only memory I have is he, he really plays hard, you know, I mean, really plays hard and, and uh, athletic. Uh, really, I don't have a, a good feel that uh, what level of NBA player he is. Uh, so I'm, if I were the fans, I wouldn't be, you know, counting on him to seeing him a lot. But uh, yeah, I think it goes along with, you know, the overall philosophy, just what we've been talking about. I, I think he'll bring that, you know, hunger that uh, some of our young lads have not seen as much of and need to see more of. Uh, and so, uh, so I, I just, I like, I like the sound of it. I do. We'll, we'll see how it plays out. I'm not going to pretend like I had ever heard of this guy before I heard, I saw the tweet come through that the Kings had signed him. And I love that. I love that the Kings are going in other avenues. They're trying something different. Like the Kings have been so uninteresting in certain, certain departments. I don't want to even blame scouting. They don't make the decisions, but the fact that the Kings went after someone who was so off the radar um, to a lot of teams, to myself, to a lot of people, I know I'm not the only one who hadn't really heard of him until they signed him. I love that. Will it work? I have no idea. I just love that the the kind of extra effort the Kings are going, the lengths they're taking to to find these players, and hopefully one of them pans out. And guess what? If one of them pans out, then signing uh, all of these kind of lottery ticket type players is worth it. You just need to hit on one of them, and it's another shot at a prospect that is interesting and different and uh, kind of unknown. And I think that's exciting. I think all of all of that to me is like the stuff that I want to see my my basketball organization do is go get interesting, go get weird, go search for players. And eventually you'll hit on one of them. Yeah. And I think it's important too. Uh, these guys can uh, maybe speed the process up for Keegan Murray. Uh, you know, they're going to get into him yeah. and, and, uh, and that's, that's what you need to need to do. You know uh, I mean, I, I think you've got to put them under a little, little heat, you know, the old, I think there's an old saying, you know, you, you know, sometimes young rookies are like, uh, like, like a tea bag, you know, you don't know just how they're going to react till they put them in some hot water. <laughs> and, and I, and I think, uh, you know, too often our rookies aren't, aren't putting any hot water. 
you know, they, 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 they've just kind of been given stuff. And I kind of get the sense that, uh, and I, my guess is Keegan will do, deal with it, but, but if these guys uh, are really good athletes and really get after him and physical, uh, that'll speed his process up. And, and that, that's, that's nothing but good. Absolutely. Tony, I'm with you. I, I didn't remember um, anything about, about Chima at all until, uh, until somebody uh, on the, on the King's Herald commented that, he was a gentleman who dragged uh, UC Davis almost single-handedly to a uh, to a uh, uh, NCAA tournament spot a couple of years back, and he got beat by Frank Mason and, and and that Kansas team. But like once I read that comment, went, oh yeah, I remember that guy. And the only thing I remember about him was that he worked his ass off. He was just one of those guys that maybe a little Thomas Robinson. I think that's what somebody compared him to was like a Thomas Robinson type for that team for UC Davis. But uh, but I, I, the thing that stuck out about me is that he he works hard. He was a hard worker. He's one of those guys that you could tell was busting his butt out there on the floor. So as a Kings fan, you know, I'm excited to get weird, Tony. I'm, I'm the same as you. I, I won't say that I, I can tell you much about him other than that I'm happy that he's on the Kings and that I hope that he's a – it benefits everybody if he's successful while he's on the Kings. So we're going to give a, we're gonna give everybody else a chance now. It's, we're getting into the dog days of summer here a little bit. Um, I, I can ask Jerry questions all day long and I can, I can force everybody listening to fall asleep, but I wanted to get uh, some <laughs> questions and, and some opinions from, uh, from other fans, from, from people that we've sourced out uh, on the internet. I want to give you guys a chance to listen to uh, basically what we do uh, once a month is we have a Patreon episode where we collect questions from everybody. Uh, Jerry and Tony and I get to answer some weird ones, some basketball related ones, some personal ones. And, um, and anyone who is a part of our Patreon gets a chance to, uh, to hear those uh, on our Patreon specific page. Uh, we're gonna kind of give you a preview of what that's like here. So if you guys hear this, you go, oh, I like this. Well, we do this every single month and all you gotta do is contribute like a dollar a month or like $5 a month. And, and you can hear Jerry and Tony on our secret podcast over there on Patreon. So uh, this is us This is us telling you, hey, you know, you could, you could pay money and hear this a lot more often if you want to. So we're gonna start off with some questions, Jerry, and then we're gonna go to a Patreon episode after this episode is done and do one uh, again uh, in secret for everyone who uh, who pays the bills to keep the lights on. So, so Jerry, uh, I, ho I hope you're warmed up. I'm, I hope you're ready to go. I am. Because I, I I'm got ready some, to go. I got some questions for you today. I got I got my game face on. Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. So for both of you, Alex Alex at uh, uh, and Sport on Twitter, he asked a bunch of questions. He asked some amazing ones, but I'm going to only give you guys two uh, from him just to keep it even for everybody. And the first one here is. Rank this potential starting five, whatever you guys feel like the starting five for the Kings are this year versus any of the others in the last 16 years. Where would you guys have them ranked in terms of the talent on this team in the starting five versus any other year since the, the playoff drought began? That's tough. I got to do some thinking. Yeah, me too. Or more importantly, some, some Googling and see. I mean, the question really is like, who's the best team that started with DeMarcus Cousins is, is kind of the question here, right? Yeah, absolutely. Rudy Gay was in that unit one year. Yeah, Rudy, Rudy, really, Rudy Gay, Isaiah Thomas, and Cousins. I think uh, you know the year they were together. Yeah, were clearly the most talented, talented team or, or starters sure. in my mind. Uh, now I'm not saying they were, were the turned out the best, but I'm just saying talent. And if the question's talent. Yeah, I think that you know, I mean, we know what Rudy Gay kind of career he's had, and we know. Uh, Cuz was an all-star at that time, and, and Isaiah became really a, a near most valuable player, just not for the Kings. Sure. Uh, but he was terrific. But he was terrific for the Kings. And, uh, and I'm trying to place other guys, other guys with him. But but I, I'd have to think it'd be hard to beat, you know, 
be hard to beat that that particular bunch i think can i can i give uh can i give another uh only because one this will benefit tony but also there, there's a demarcus cousins year where they have Ray, they had rajon rondo starting at point guard and it was rondo and gay and cousins as well as darren collison coming off the bench there and the best player in king's history um tony's favorite uh Duji dukin was a uh, was a part of that oh, team. No. And so he shot like Peja in summer league. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was oh. a, the George Carl year where they won a total of 33 games. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say the 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 only I, I think this is the most talented starting lineup of the last 16 years and I think that's because the year they had Isaiah Thomas and Rudy Gay and DeMarcus Cousins was before Cousins was Cousins. He was just he was on the come up. He wasn't quite the all-star yet. So if you're taking that version of Cousins with the early version of Isaiah Thomas, with the version of Rudy Gay that the Kings had, I think this, whatever lineup Mike Brown can come up with, I, I might take this one over that one, even, despite the fact that they had Cousins. He wasn't quite the guy yet. So I don't know. To answer this question, I think this is the, this is the better one. Jerry, do you concur? Well, I think they're I, – I, yeah, I would uh, – I mean, I, like I say, I think the, their big three, you know, you might could give an edge to those. Uh, could, might. But overall, uh, not just the starters, but uh, when you look at the depth and everything, I, I think you'd have to go with this bunch here. Uh, it's also true that particular bunch didn't win a lot of games either. So <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there is that. Uh, so uh, uh, you know. So, but yeah, I, I like I, I like the potential fit, and and, if, and when you uh, stretch it out to eight, seven, or eight guys, then I really like this bunch. I think probably better than any since the team, you know, fell into the uh, decades sure. plus doldrums. Sure. Okay. So I've got one more from Alex and, and this is a, uh, this is flying completely from left field here. Would you rather live at the bottom of the ocean or on Mars? Well, that's pretty tough. Alex, you get, uh, you think too much. I, I think we, <laughs> I think we, we need to get together and just have some up close and personal counseling, but that's a, uh, but uh uh, since I, I couldn't breathe either place, uh, <laughs> you know, not an alien for sure, and I'm not a fish, so, uh, but uh, I know more about the ocean than I do Mars, so I'll, I'll take the ocean. <laughs> I was going to take Mars. I've seen the expanse. The Mars doesn't look terrible. I mean, there's, it's not ideal, but the bottom of the ocean is terrifying. I would never want to be there. Yeah, I guess the question is, would you rather be uh, crushed to death or starved to death? No, no. see, here's where you guys miss it. Let me explain this. The bottom of the ocean can be very, it can be maybe three foot in certain spots. <laughs> there you go. So, so, uh, so Alex, I'm picking a really just where the ocean kind of meets up to the sand, buddy. <laughs> puddle. Yeah. Yeah. That, that bottom, that bottom. Uh, you well, got you a go. platform house somewhere in Hawaii. Is that what we're saying? There you, there you go. go. Okay. So uh, Alex, I'm going to just go ahead and say bottom of the ocean because I can fish, but I can't eat rocks on Mars. So I, yeah. I, I'd rather be crushed to death than starved to death, I think. And of course, the other part, uh, Alex, uh, Tony didn't tell you how he's getting to Mars, did he? <laughs> Elon will figure it out, maybe. <laughs> You're <laughs> never getting car. there, buddy. No, I'm not <laughs> getting there. You might get to Jupiter on that one. Oh, yeah. Okay. So the next one is, uh, is from uh, Rich Berta. And uh, Rich, this question for Jerry. As a draft nerd, this one still stumps me. What did we miss about Thomas Robinson? Looked like a sure thing, but why didn't his game transfer? We started to see it in summer league, if I remember correctly. Size, hands, basketball IQ, off the court stuff. What was it that we missed about Thomas Robinson? Yeah, those are great questions. Boy, I, I, I've thought about it 
a lot, uh, certainly at certain times. And, and, and I think I can break it down for you. I mean, because clearly once you saw the product as opposed to uh, what was perceived to be the product in Kansas, you know, and, and before the draft, everybody, uh, with Thomas Robinson, first of all, he was about 6'8", not 6'10". And that, that was a real jolt, you know, he was small. But having said that, Thomas Robinson could have played in this league and been productive if he had done the two things he could really do well, rebound the basketball and, and defend. And he could do those things. But for some reason, he didn't see himself as that Thomas Robinson. He saw himself as, you know, a, a, a ball handling, wheeling, dealing, uh, the next version of Carmelo Anthony or something like that, a score, play, you know, and he, and he, you know, he couldn't dribble and he couldn't pass and he couldn't really shoot that well. But, it, but, and so he played it, you know, he's one of those guys that should have had a career and never should have been a drafted fifth. I don't mean that, but, but I mean, to me, if he had found his niche, uh, you know, there were guys that had nice careers, a Kenyon Martin and guys like that over the years that probably weren't any better players than him, but they knew what they were, sure. you know, and, and, and understood what they were and, and, and ran with it. And, uh, you know, this, this guy just didn't do it. Uh, I always remember Keith Smart one time was telling me when he was coaching and came back on the plane and sat down and, you know, he, he always like, I think a lot of the, Younger coaches like to come back and commiserate with me because they knew, knew <laughs> they know you've been through it. Huh? They, they they knew I knew, uh, but he said, you know, I said talking about Robinson and said he and Robinson got into it. Robinson had said, you know, you you better start playing me more. I'm the fifth pick, and Key and I, I mean, I told you this, and Key said, yeah, and I told him, I said the only reason I play you at all is because you're the fifth pick. <laughs> <That's a> great <laughs> and, answer, and I thought that probably summed it up right there you know and I mean I think that's why you know he he just you know I know his agent and everybody tried to kind of get to him you know and as he bounced around the league you'd hear that from uh, other other teams and scouts and stuff people talk to you oh, you know that guy can really rebound I mean he can be a big time per minute rebounder and that would have kept him in the league and made him a lot of money so but you know at some point if you you know if you can't figure out how to be valuable uh, it's not going to work very well. So anyway, that's, that's what happened. Uh, but that, uh, you know, obviously miscalculation, uh, completely on him. That's for sure. I remember watching a, a draft express video before that draft and it was Thomas Robinson. And he was talking about how he was the best player in this draft for sure. He's better than everyone else in this draft. He was so confident and I bought in too. I was like, Oh shoot, this guy is the best player in the draft. <laughs> And then summer league rolls around and you watch him play and you're like, Oh damn. Like he has no skills with the ball at all. And it reminded me a ton of the Marvin Bagley situation where he was on ESPN and didn't interview all the rookies and they were doing uh, preseason predictions. And Marvin Bagley was, uh, they asked all the rookies, who's going to be the MVP of the league. And Marvin Bagley said himself, not just rookie of the year, the MVP of the entire league, Marvin Bagley said himself. And I was like, damn, this guy's super confident. He's going to be really good. And then you watch him play and it's the same thing. Like, oh, you actually don't have a lot of skills with the ball. Like you don't know what to do and you get it. And it was a good lesson in you definitely want your prospects to be confident, but they need to have a accurate like idea of, of who they are. And that can go wrong uh, along the way for sure. And I think it went wrong with Thomas Robinson. And I think it went wrong with Marvin Bagley. Just 
thinking they were already that guy when they had a lot of work to do before the skills were at an NBA level. Yeah, that, that's, that's it exactly, because that's like Marvin Bagley. Marvin Bagley can play in the league. Mm-hmm. He's going to play in the league, but it's going to be at a, at a role that he wasn't willing to accept or didn't understand at, at, at first. And I mean, and Thomas Robinson could have been the same way, but, but I, I say the difference, I think Marvin's, a, a, I mean, Marvin's probably not exactly the sharpest knife in the drawer, but, but I mean, Thomas might have been the dullest. And uh, and so sometimes that factors in. You don't have to be a genius to play in the NBA, but you have to be smart enough to understand, you know, what's what's expected of you and what you can and can't do. And and so that, yeah, it's it's just you know it's one of those tales that uh, well you see all the time. I mean, I always say for every for every star in the league, there's four or five guys of equal talent that don't make it for different reasons. And uh, whether it's work ethic or knowing what they're good at. I mean, and then you take it to the ultimate example, a guy like Dennis Rodman is a hall of famer because he was great at a couple of things. And he did those couple of things. Great. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, 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 and figured it, but he figured it out early. Yeah. I don't even think he needed to be Dennis Rodman. I think a guy like Reggie Evans oh, no. has made a lot of money. Yeah. And he, Reggie Evans was six, eight, two, and right around the same amount of weight on him. But Reggie Evans played a long, long time because, he knew he, got, he went and gotten the basketball, uh, you know, he grabbed the basketball off the glass and that was going to get him paid. Yeah. I always think back of a guy and this would really go back to uh, Mike, the animal Smith. Now Mike really wasn't good enough to be an NBA player, but he was, but the effort and the toughness and, you know, he found a way to be a six or seven year NBA player sure. because the things, the things he could do, he did and things he couldn't do. He didn't try to do. <laughs> <laughs> I think the other difference, Tony, is that uh, Houston didn't pay uh, $12 million a year to continue uh, Thomas Robinson uh, playing on their team. I, I think I think Mar- Marvin getting paid $12 million a year to, to still figure out whether or not he's Thomas Robinson or the next Giannis Antetokounmpo is uh, that's that's a high price to pay for a guy for a for a team like Detroit. But, you know, uh, you know, all you know, all fairness to Thomas Robinson, I hope he has a great career wherever he's playing. But yeah, that yeah, if he is, that and, was an interesting. That was an interesting question. That was one we wanted to bring up. It sure was, yeah. I know that. Uh, well, still brings nightmares. <laughs> I always I, one other story. I always remember being at a like a season ticket holder event of some type, and and I'd seen Thomas Robinson with a couple of practices, you know, and it's like holy shit, this guy. <laughs> I knew. <laughs> You know, but the but at the season ticket holder, there's a you know a season ticket holder PR guy giving a big talk to the potential holders and stuff. And man, we got this guy Thomas Robinson, six ten. Man, he's just a monster. You know, blah blah blah. And I was thinking. I'm not going to get up there and say that. <laughs> I'm going to talk about something else. You know, it's because they want me, which, you know, I, I wasn't going to rip him or anything, but because I was still hopeful that maybe it'll work out. But, but uh, so I came up with something else. I don't know who it was, but, <laughs> but I was thinking, he's a nice guy. But I was thinking, man, I understand you. It's your job, but man, you don't know. Uh, okay this next uh question comes from a friend of the podcast uh, john catterson he's a a great guy he's got his own podcast called uh, the royal review you all should listen to it sometimes because it's it's really really good um so john asks uh jerry would you trade uh harrison barnes over sean holmes for a small forward that plays great defense and has okay offense but probably ranks lower on some sort of 
top 200 NBA players list than Barnes and Holmes, considering we desperately need a small forward defender who warrants minutes. I'm not sure I would. Uh, I'd have to know who it was. Uh, I mean, I, I understand the question, and I think it's a good question, but uh, you'd have to have some reason to believe that uh, this whoever that is would fill that bill. You know, who? I mean, that, that would be my only thought there. If you're, I'm trying to think if it's Thibel or somebody, I might consider that. Uh, just because of need. Uh, and I don't think he's as good a player as Harrison Barnes, but I think he fits, you know, just, I don't know if that would make sense uh, what we're talking about here, but, but I, I think that that type of thing, uh, uh, you know, a terrific defender that can score a little, maybe you'll get better at it. Uh, yeah. I think you'd, you'd probably have to give that type of thing. Some, some, some serious thought. I'm trying to think of some other guys, uh, you know, I certainly uh, uh, Hunter from Atlanta. You know, a guy like that, I'd certainly do that. You know, because mm -hmm. he can. He, you know, I think he and uh, Keegan Murray would be nice version of three fours. You know that uh, you could you could cover just about anybody and still mm -hmm. score enough. I, you know, I'd rather do something like that. But no, anyway, that, that's a good question, very fair question. I, but I, I but I think you'd have to. You know, whoever that guy is, if he's you're going to give away some offense and some uh, for sure, if you think you're going to give away offense, then he, you, you've got to know he's good enough defender to make up for it. And that and that that gets to, you know, thins the herd out a little bit. I think when you when you do that, you know, the, I'm trying to think of the guy, the terrific defender that left Utah. Royce O'Neal. Yeah, you know, that yeah. that type of player is a, or uh, uh, so so there, there's guys out there uh, you know there's guys out there but uh, you know I'd be very careful I mean because I, I still think Harrison is a guy that if things don't go well uh, he's got a lot of value trade deadline you, you whatever you probably if you're not sure what you need and it's not working you probably have a chance to maybe fill a need you know, he's the best asset you can afford to do something with. And, and we've talked so much about him that I know teams like him. I just, I mean, they just all like him and, and there's a reason. And that's what, and that's a good reason to be sure before you trade somebody. <laughs> Tony, what about you? I would trade Rashawn Holmes for a, a lesser player. That's a better fit. Cause I, I don't think um, for as good as Holmes was not last year, the year before, I don't think he's going to earn 12 million as a bench center. I just, that's not a, a high money position. Maybe he's incredible and does, but if you want to, you know, trade for a lesser forward um, for Holmes, I'm fine with that. I think Barnes though, Barnes is going to have value up until the deadline. And I, I don't, I don't trade him for a lesser player. That's a better fit. He's already one of your better players on the roster. Uh, he's one of your few vets at this point. It's, it's a younger team. Uh, now with the with the recent signing, so I'm not in a rush to trade Barnes. I would do it if you can get an upgrade or or a similar player at, at that uh, at a better fit. But uh, no for Barnes and Holmes. Yes, I'd be looking to make a move there for a better fit because I think backup center is an easy one to kind of fill. And selfishly, I kind of I I would not hate it if suddenly Kada is getting some NBA minutes. I understand you know you might not win many games if that's the case. But I've just seen enough from Kata in summer league that if he is your third center behind Len and might get some minutes here and there, I'm okay with that. I kind of want to see what that looks like anyways. 
Yeah, I think that's a really good point that I would definitely do it for Holmes. Like, I, I mean, I'm sure Matisse Thibel for Rashawn Holmes is not a, a doable deal that anyone in Philadelphia would even consider. But it is one of those things, like Jerry said, that like if you're getting younger, like if 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 the if the Kings player is more talented, but the the whoever we're trading for is a better fit, then I would hope that better fit has some potential, you know, long-term potential where they're not 29, 30. I mean, not that 29 or 30 is the end of the road. We talk about that a lot, but like, I don't want somebody in their thirties, you know, that, okay, they'll be a good defender for the next three years. I'd, I'd, I'd swap it for somebody who's 24, who's still coming into their own, but their team doesn't have the contract, doesn't have the space, doesn't have whatever to, to hold on to them long-term. And they want, and they want somebody immediately in Barnes. I would do something like that. I would certainly be okay with swapping homes if it meant Cato getting, uh, getting some, uh, some time behind Alex Lynn, but I, I would not do it just willy nilly just because we need a fit. So let's, let's just trade for a random guy. There would have to be a very specific person that you'd, you'd give that to that is both young enough to have some potential fit long-term with the Kings, but also fits a little bit better than a Barnes or a Holmes does. Yeah. And to, you know, to think in terms of trading both those guys or something to me, okay. Yeah. If you can get Mikhail Bridges, uh, okay. Uh, for you do that, but then, why would the Phoenix do that? Uh, short of maybe because they need a center, and, and of course Barnes would fill the bill to some degree. But the Kings certainly—that's a deal. Probably they should be. Uh, you know, a, a player that I'd move homes for, just that I think fills the bill. Dorian Finney-Smith, if you could, uh, uh, from Dallas. I think he's a defender, makes shots, a defender, and he's fairly young, so young enough. So anyway, the, the, but that's you know. Uh, you'd have to know who you're talking about. And then Barnes, don't forget Barnes is good. Barnes is good. He, he's, uh, he, he's, you know, he's not part of the problem. I mean, he's, yeah. he's good enough. He's good enough. Uh, you know, you need to get somebody better eventually. And, and, and probably, you know, whether you're trading before the season starts or if it doesn't go well and it looks like you're not going to be the team you thought you were, uh, he's, he's an asset. Absolutely. So, Okay, so we're going on to uh, Red Velvet FC. Uh, he asked two questions, and one of them got asked quite a few times, and I'm, I'm predicting here that Tony's going to have this question in his Patreon episode. So for your number one question, Red Velvet, please go see our Patreon page. If you can't, uh, drop five bucks and you can. So uh, you'll have that question answered somewhere else. But um, his second question is, uh, what's the best possible trade for a wing on the timeline as the rest of the core? So do you have a certain wing that you have in mind that you think is gettable that uh, that would be on the timeline with with everybody else you know i, I don't i mean I, we've we talked about some of them already you know obviously uh, you don't know uh, who's gettable i mean there's as the season goes and i think that's why uh it may not be a deal out there right now that you you would like but as the season goes uh, other teams uh panic a little bit as well and they want to make deals if, they, if they're not going or or they're going well and think they need that one more piece. You know, I mean, it's like uh, uh, I mean, I always said it's like, well, if you really felt like you needed shooting number one there, well, uh, you know, uh, uh, Bogdanovich from Utah is a guy you'd want to look at, you know, I mean, because uh, he's a great shooter. Now, if you want if you're really looking for just somebody that's going to impact the game defensively, well, Thibault's hard to beat there. And uh Royce O'Neal's uh, very effective there as a guy who can go guard people. Uh, that, so are, the, are they available? 
Well, of course they would be for a certain deal. Everybody's available for a certain deal, contrary to DeMarcus Cousins and George Carl's opinions on, on that. Everybody's tradable. But uh, yeah, I, I, I don't, I, I just be surprised there's a deal that makes you better right now. You know, and I think that's what Mike Brown picked up the guys he's picked up to uh, they're pretty comfortable with uh, the roster at this stage and want to see, see what it looks like, you know, and I, I kind of get that. Gettable is a, is a tough word in that question, because for example, we knew the Kings needed shooting for a while. I didn't necessarily know that Kevin Herter was gettable. I mean, every only under the, I mean, everyone's gettable, but I didn't know that Kevin Herter was on the radar. He wasn't rumored. So, you know, there are a lot of guys that we might not see as gettable today who are gettable. If you start offering the right package in return, um, we know guys like Thibel are always in the trade block. I'd be happy to have him. John Collins, not necessarily a wing, but another guy who we know is gettable and on the trade block. I'd be very happy to have him. I think his age fits the timeline and he's under contract for a while. So if you're talking about gettable, to me, gettable means like who's kind of in the rumor mill already. Those are two guys who are, but there are a, a ton of players in this league, like a Kevin Herter, who you can get just because he's not, you know, rumored to be available that could fill that hole too. So it's, the answer is like, I don't know, 30 or 40 players deep, depending on who the Kings are ready to offer. Yeah. I, I, I have a couple answers to this question only because we did a, a mailbag recently, me and Tim Maxwell did, where we answered a, a similar question to that. And I think the, the one, like I got two names in my head off the top and one of them is Cam Reddish only because the Knicks traded for him. And then with this uh, Donovan Mitchell deal that they're trying to get done, I think there's a way that the Kings could sneak in and just snatch one of the young guys or take somebody from, from that, uh, what's going to be a massive trade in order to make that work. And maybe they could facilitate there and get a guy like Cam Reddish, who's still young. And I, I you know, is a is somebody who's on the same timeline. Uh, the other one in my head is a guy like um, if you like Sasha Vesenkov, then maybe you like a Chetty Osman where like the Cavs are young. They, they don't, you know, they have forwards. They have, they have a guy, uh, shoot. Now what's his name? Uh, Isaac Okoro, who's young enough that he'll, he'll be playing the same position. Maybe the Cavs, maybe not yet, but like they're, they're 20 games into the season and they see Isaac Okoro is ready. Maybe they go, oh, okay. Chetty Osman for, for something like that. But you know, I, I think I think Tony and Jerry both nail it. But it's just one of those things. Like I'm, I'm okay with waiting right now because if if they were ready to make another move, Casey Okapala wouldn't be on the Kings. Like they they would they would keep those spaces ready. They have their they have their guys probably headed into training camp, barring some Harrison Barnes deal or some bigger deal, and and that's fine with me. I'm I'm happy with the with what they're bringing into camp right now. Okay, so we got two left. I think two left. Let me check. Yeah. Two left. Um, and uh, this one's from Adam. Adam is asking, uh, <laughs> in true Kings fashion here, uh, the, the, the most downer question that I could think of here, what is Keegan Murray's trade value? And then he has an addendum to that. Would you trade him in a package for Kevin Durant? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, that, uh, yeah, that's, some, that's, some, that's more thinking. That's more thinking I want to do on a daily basis. But uh, uh well, I mean, if you're if your goal is to make the playoffs, uh, obviously, I mean, you here again. They, say, what is your franchise goal? Make the playoffs. Okay, if that's your goal, uh, yeah, you trade. You do what you do to get Kevin Durant because he he gets you in the playoffs. Yeah. Now, what happens next year? I don't know. Uh, I I I think it'd be I think it 
it gets you, you'd get a team that could probably get in the playoffs and maybe go from there if you're not totally destroyed. But I, whether Kevin uh, would want to stay, my guess is he wouldn't because he probably, he's kind of proven to be a little bit of a, a ring chaser. And, uh, and so it's going to be a little tougher to chase that ring from here. So, so yeah, but, but I mean, yeah, it depends on what you have to give up, but, but I think at the end of it is, you know, at his age for the Kings, uh, it'd be, you know, just like anything, it depends on what you have to give up. If you had to give up Sabonis and Keegan Murray and, and Barnes for him, well, what does that do for you? He's way better than any of them. And, but he's also played, what, 90 out of the 200 games in the last three years. And so uh, is, is that going to continue or is he going to stay healthy? I don't know. Uh, but, uh, but, uh, but if you're, if you're talking about, yeah, Keegan Murray's nice young player. Uh, is he going to be ever be Kevin Durant? I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, probably not. Whoa, Jerry. probably Whoa. not. <laughs> I know. Have you seen him in summer league, Jerry yeah. MVP? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I would say, yeah, if, if I'm Mike Brown, <laughs> just looking at the coach's standpoint, I, I would say Mike at first saying that he might, Act like, uh, let's see, well, well, I, I don't want to move uh, Keegan, but okay. Yeah, what, what else? What else? <laughs> I think Adam, I think Adam's looking at Keegan Murray winning MVP and, and feeling very Tyrese Halliburton vibes right now going, where's the next, where's the next move to be made? Well, he, you know, and I mean, it's, it's, it's like, I mean, to, to Tyrese's credit, he brought you a terrific big mm-hmm. two-time all-star and that shows real value. And I, and I have no doubt, you know, no, I have doubts, but uh, very few that Keegan Murray has that type of potential uh, at the, you know, if in fact uh, he's going to be a good enough player to where, and that's what you want. I mean, this is a, an individual contractor league. You want your players to have enough value to, to bring you something, <laughs> you know, and I mean, to make, to make you better. I mean, that's, you know, that's what I always say, uh, go back to the great trades in history. Well, Mitch Richmond for Chris Weber. Well, that's that's what you need to do. Or, uh, uh, or Corliss Williamson, a terrific player uh, for for uh, Doug Christie. Well, the, you have to give up something good that you don't want to lose in order to get something that you that you want. And uh, so, yeah, if, uh, you know, my mind is: Would you uh, take it take it a step further? Would you trade? How about this? Would you trade Keegan Murray for Miles Bridges? How's that? I mean, Miles is going to be a better player next year than Keegan Murray. Yeah. Now, is he going to be a better player in three years? I don't. I, I I hope not. And I think I think you know I think Murray's got maybe got a better upside. And that's no slap on either guy, by the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm just talking about a, a young player that's really proven to be probably better than his draft status in in Miles Bridges. And uh, and I think that Murray's probably going to be able to prove prove his draft status you know it may be that one or two guys behind him might turn out to be as good or better and one or two in front of him may not be as good tony what's uh what's keegan murray's uh uh trade value right now i think the tyrese halliburton for sabonis trade was awesome uh not because i was a huge fan of the trade but you so rarely see a big nba trade where it was just player for player like there were no picks in that trade to tip the scales in one way or the other it was 
Tyrese Halliburton is worth DeMantis Sabonis. And I think Keegan Murray is kind of at that same level where he's probably worth about uh, an all-star in the Eastern Conference. Maybe not an all-star in the Western Conference, but he's probably worth an all-star in the Eastern Conference. So that's kind of where I'm putting Keegan Murray right now. Thanks to that Tyrese Halliburton trade that kind of, to me, set the value for what a really good uh, young player can get you without adding any other picks, without any other weird incentives. It was just this really good young player for this really good veteran player. Um, so that's kind of how I how I now value Keegan Murray as, as what he can get you. Um, and I would absolutely 1,000% trade for Kevin Durant. Uh, pretty much whatever that takes, give me Kevin Durant. Tony, you've just doomed the Kings to trading for Julius Randle at the trade deadline this year. I said Kevin Durant will. I did not say <laughs> you, said, you, you said Keegan Murray was where the one Eastern All-Star and Julius Randle will be the Dude, one that's available. Come. That's not a bad call. <laughs> I'm just saying, when it happens, yeah. the pitchforks are coming to Boston. They're not coming to my place. Okay. So uh, this last one that I've got is, uh, is uh, from Jay Griffiths. Um, and, and Jay asks, does Jerry think Ellis... Uh, Keon Ellis has enough all-around game to warrant a roster spot. We've kind of talked about this a little bit earlier. Or is he destined for Stockton this year? And then would Isaiah Thomas be a reasonable addition for a third point guard? Uh, as much as personal, as much as I love Isaiah, I think you, you would just have to move past Isaiah at this point. You know, I certainly I think Isaiah can still score uh, in the league, but but his body. He was never a great defender, but he just can't defend. And, and I love the guy, but, uh, you know, it just, uh, you know, it's a tragedy uh, what happened to him. And it took him from being one of the elite players to not, you know, very, very limited. Uh, and so anyway, so the no on Isaiah, kind of hate saying that, but, uh, but Ellis, I, I think he's a close to an NBA player. I do. I do. I, I think the two way thing, probably is the best way to go. I, I just hope he gets to play a lot in Stockton, uh, you know, and, and, and I hope the team really, you know, watches him and brings him up. Of course, he can practice with the big team a lot. You know, uh, to me, he's one of those guys that don't, don't waste uh, a player down there like Gabe Vincent from Miami, you know, that he was at Stockton and Kings uh, didn't even bother bringing him to camp and, and they're pretty damn good player so pay attention to what's going on down there you know i certainly know deuce and mo and bobby jackson probably has pretty good idea what's going on down there and uh so uh, but i guess to answer to get back to your question on that i like him I, I think he's gonna be the nba player you know will he be this year doubt it uh, i just think the numbers are against him but i i think he's he's got enough athleticism and enough of uh, his game translates to this league, uh, certainly in some role. And that, that's what I'd look at is, yeah. is, yeah, could you trot him out there in the NBA at some point and, and he could help you? I could see how he could. Uh, I kind of, like I say, I've always said he kind of reminds me a little bit of a, a, a bigger, a little better version of Randy Brown, uh, just a defensive specialist. And Randy found a way to play 10 years in the league and be pretty valuable at times. And, and, and I think Ellis is a better prospect. I would not hate bringing in Isaiah Thomas um, under the understanding that he's not going to play. And I hope he would be okay with that. And that's kind of the only circumstance that I, that I think that that makes sense. Kind of, 
I know Bryant is going to enjoy this name, but similar to like a Matthew Delvadova type who we know the Kings worked out in Vegas where it's, this is, you know, the Kings have taken their shots on some upside young players. They can afford maybe one spot to a vet who has kind of done it before. And Isaiah Thomas has been through a lot. He's, you know, he's had to work to get to where he was, became a MVP level, almost player, all NBA player, playoff experience, also suffered the downs of how bad an injury can impact your career. Also suffered, you know, awful circumstances with management in Boston, how Danny Ainge traded him. So he really has kind of seen it all. And I, there is a spot on the Kings, I think, for that vet. I think we saw the, the best vet I've seen the, do that for the Kings in recent memory was Vince Carter, who I thought was a, a really good like citizen here as an end of like end of career, end of bench. He ended up playing more than I thought he would, but that was sort of his role. Uh, and I think I, there is a spot for someone to do that. That could be Isaiah Thomas if he's comfortable just being that. And he's not going to be here with the expectation that he's playing every night. And I, I'm not confident he wants to be that player yet. But if he is, then I'd be interested in that move. Because I, I do think his experience and all that it has been, which is a crazy career when you go, when you think about it, um, could be helpful if he's ready to just be that guy now. Uh, but I'm just not sure if he is or not. I think that uh, I think that uh, with Isaiah Thomas, Tony, I think you're right that I, I think he's looking for more of a role still. I think we, in the same way that some of these uh, veteran guys will come into the Kings and want to be that second guy, or like, oh, maybe I can make a move so that I have to be traded at the deadline for a team that needs a starting point guard. I think Isaiah still is one of those guys that, and and he might be still talented enough to be a guy that's the backup point guard somewhere, uh, and and catch fire and show that his hips are okay and whatever else like that, but. I, I don't think he'd want to be here. I, I just, the, the way management kind of treated him. I don't, I don't know if he'd, if he'd actually want to end up back, back in Sacramento after all that. Yeah. I think, I think it'd be tough for him, but uh, you know, Tony, I mean, he's a, if, if he could accept that, I mean, but I, yeah. I don't know. I mean, just as far as playing, there's guys out there probably I'd rather take a chance on. I'd rather take a, if you're going sure. to go older, probably I'd rather take a chance on Tyreek Evans or, or Michael Carter Williams, guys like that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. Jerry, you mentioned, you mentioned Michael Carter Williams. And my next point was that like with Sabonis on the floor, you almost don't need a third point guard as much as you just need another guard because Sabonis is going to have handling. He's going to be handling the ball enough again, the post and whatnot that you don't need a distributor necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. See, I I think they've got a third Uh, to me. I mean, you know, obviously De'Aaron, Davion and, and, uh, Hey, uh, Red Velvet, uh, Kevin Herter. Kevin Herter can play can play lead guard. Sure. You know, I mean, he can't play at thirty five minutes a night, but yeah. he he's 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 better. You know, he's a better point guard than some of these guys that are out there. I mean, yeah. really. I mean, so I mean, Atlanta used him some there, and uh, so anyway, I, I I wouldn't just panic on that thing a little bit. I mean, and so I just don't. To want uh, Frankie Ferrari, but uh, <laughs> that's just me. I don't know. Go sign on that one as well. <laughs> okay, so that was just a uh, that's just a taste of what we do on uh, on our Patreon episodes. Uh, sometimes we have weirder questions. Sometimes we get into even more depth than what we went into there. But uh, there's a taste for you for anyone that's not signed up yet for our uh, for our Patreon. Uh, I'd like to encourage you to do it. It's it's not that expensive. You certainly get a lot of content out of Jerry and, uh, and uh, it's, it's worth the money. 
It's worth the money if you uh, if you decide to. Um, I'm going to wrap up this episode by sending it over to Jerry, and uh, and then we'll we'll get out of your hair. So Jerry, down to you for the uh, for the Reynolds wrap up now. Well, you know, I, I guess the thing that uh, caught my attention and watching the summer league, of course, having all, all the games on TV is great. Uh, so a lot of the uh, analysts and play by play pretty awful, but but I mean they talked about everything but the game. <laughs> which uh, I find frustrating. I'd like to know who's actually playing out in front of you. But, but, I, but it really struck my mind as I always remember being sent to the first year that they had a, a summer league in Las Vegas. Warren Legary was running. They had, they had six teams and the Kings among many teams were playing in Utah. And uh, Jeff Petrie had me go over and check it out and see what I thought. And I remember going over here and, and Warren Legary was was a kiss in my butt, which I enjoyed quite a bit. Uh, you know, I let him do that uh, about how good it'd be. And, and you know, and I, and I really saw it like, well, you know, it, it really probably would work. And so I remember telling Jeff, it, you know, it, it would probably make sense that probably more and more teams are going to go there. And so it'll, it'll be a, in the long run better. Uh, and having said that, I had no idea that it would be like it is. I mean, it's a big deal. Sure. You know, the crowds are great. Uh, obviously, every, every team represented, and it, they, they just they do a remarkable job. I would have never thought that uh, that it could turn out to be like it is. And so, you know, I, I did think it would work and, and be be better. But boy, uh, credit to them. You know, credit to them. And uh, you know, and I think for the most part, uh, you know, all the things you bad things about Vegas it doesn't really come into it much you know and and so of course the, the only negative is well I got tired of staying at uh, the Palms I'll tell you that that a lot of maloofers <laughs> oh boy you know, you felt like it almost became like a prison after about a seven eight days you know <laughs> Jerry, they didn't send a bunch of Bing vodka and six thousand dollar Carl's Junior oh, burgers up to your room nice. every day. They, they, they did not. They did not. Oh. Uh, not to me. I think they probably oh. said so. To, uh, I wasn't. I don't think I was kind of the right uh, gender, uh, if you will. Sure. <laughs> but we'll just let it go at that. Okay. Yeah, sure. <laughs> will, can I say? Can I do a little Tony's wrap up? Because Jerry just reminded me of something. Watching talking about the broadcast. Wrap it up, Tony. We have got to do, this is a big issue. This is a big problem. I love the summer league. We have got to do something about the picture in picture on these broadcasts. It's insane. It's crazy. For the whole fourth, fourth quarter, third quarter, I got to watch Tim Connolly talk about like the fifth guy on the, on the Timberwolves and taking up three quarters of the screen. I don't know what ESPN is doing, what NBA on TNT is doing. The game is like the size of, one of these zoom squares while the interview with some with the third executive on the worst team in the league is taking up half the screen with like Rick Kamala and whoever else is on the broadcast. And we just don't need it. Just show the game. If you want to have a little box of Tim Connolly, I'll watch that, but you're losing like 75% of the screen real estate on these executives that have nothing really to say. Um, and it's awful. I don't know. Everything else about summer league is great, but the picture in picture, and it's like this every year, it is the craziest picture in picture of any, sporting event i've ever seen it is insane so we have got to do something about that that's all boy i'm on board with you tony i mean really as i always said i was talking to somebody today i said look 90 uh, percent of the people that tune in to watch this game <laughs> wanted to see this game now how many 
tuned in saying, boy, I hope they interview Joe Fiducial here and, <laughs> and get his, I, I, other than his family, probably nobody. <laughs> and so, yeah, I think that, you know, that's, well, I think that I uh, totally agree. Boy, that, that that's one step they could do. They could make better right away and uh, try to get a legitimate professionals to do, to do those games. I'm not that they're not professional, but to focus on the games, just focus on the damn games. Jerry, can I ask you one question real quick? Now that we're talking about random summer league things. Yeah. I don't know if you, sorry, I didn't watch it either, but did you hear, and what do you think about Richard Jefferson refereeing a quarter in the summer? I did watch I did see it. I watched it. Uh, that's funny. I, I, I really like Richard Jefferson. Okay. I really like him. And, uh, you know, he wouldn't, but and he's the kind of guy probably could become a pretty good ref, but it's, it's the kind of thing that, that people that rip refs ought to be forced to do. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, talk about an eye opener, but uh, by the way, and he had a good enough, uh, a great rant. I thought uh, on the NBA today, he was talking about, he thought, all second year players should play in the summer league. Yeah. I kind of think most of them should do. I really do. I mean, I know a lot of people, oh, they'll get hurt. Well, yeah, well, they're practicing. You know, yeah. they're out there practicing. You know, Josh Giddy did it and played a few games. I'm not saying they have to play the whole thing, but it's like, really? They, they when did they become superstars that they just, they don't need to play anymore? I, I think it'd be great, uh, you know, because we always talk about development. Uh, players need more uh, development, more training. It's like, well, damn, train them. Yep. You know, yep. it's like uh, my, my old buddy, Coach Carrillo, always used to say, he said, you know, if you want to get good at basketball, play basketball. That, that's a good way. Yep. I always thought, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, throwing medicine balls around in the corner, that's probably not near as good. Jerry, I got to agree with you. I, I, I didn't put this one out online, but I did put it in the chat at, uh, at uh, the Kings Herald only because I, I feel very strongly that Davion Mitchell should have been on that team. It's just one of those things that like, yeah, if it were Michael Jordan out there. Okay. LeBron James pr probably didn't need sure. to, you know, but, yeah. but outside of that, no, if the Pistons no. can bring in Cade Cunningham. If they could bring in uh, uh, beef stew, all these guys that, that they're, they're good players as well. They're just as good or better than Davion Mitchell then Davion Mitchell should have been there, even if it's just for two or three games. Yeah, he, and he was there, and you know he wanted to play. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. the whole thing. You know he wanted to play. And yes. so those guys, I think they needed. And, 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 you know, Davion playing with uh, Keegan Murray. I, I think there's something to be gained there, more to be gained than worrying about some, oh, they could get hurt. Of course they can get hurt. They yeah. can get hurt flying home early, uh, you know. Uh, a lot of a lot of the worst so so you know if you're worried about guys getting hurt then don't play them at all did that's we, where we're getting to next you know did we really need to evaluate frankie ferrari that closely like we watched one game of frankie ferrari and i was like okay i kind of get the deal with him i know you got to have other data points and whatnot but like i would like to see what davion mitchell and keegan murray could do together i think ellis and davion would could form some chemistry because those guys might actually be playing on the roster next season together at some points in the season it was just one of those things that, oh, it, that one got me hot. Yeah, if you just played Davion in the California Classic, let's say. Yeah, perfect. Said, okay, it'd be perfect, you know. And then, uh, but anyway, well, I'm with Richard Jefferson on that. I, I think, well, I think the whole thing has gotten so soft in that sense is that they, they used to, by the way, you go back some years, they most of the players, except for the proven, get real proven guys, stars, played a couple of years in that, some even three years. And uh, uh, so that's changed. That's just like 
you know, the Chicago Combine. It's like, well, nobody plays. You know, boy, boy, he looks good in layup drills. Oh, okay. You know, that's a, and he, and he's a great interview. Well, it's wonderful. You know. <laughs> yeah. Once, uh, once LeBron James is playing in the Drew League, the injury argument kind of goes it out. Sure the does. If the greatest player yes. on the planet is playing in a game that really does that not mean less, anything. Yeah then, I mean, you know, these guys are playing, so it's, give me a different argument. The injury one is not working. Yeah. And they give want me something to, else. And they want to play, you know, that's right. You know, it's like for years, the top players would go play in the Rucker leagues and stuff like that on their own. You know, I mean, top, uh, I always remember in, in Sacramento, they had a summer league and Eddie, you know, first came in the league and Eddie Johnson and Reggie, those guys would all play down at Sac State or different places. You know, they'd draw pretty good crowds, but yeah. they wanted to play basketball. Uh, in front of a crowd uh, it it's better form and no more risky than playing pickup games in a in a closed gym i mean so anyway that's that's my thought you know it ain't, it ain't coming back you know i think yeah i was gonna say we you know we need to get, we need to find ways of getting guys playing in front of fans more during the regular season during the summer league during the preseason you know actually Players playing. What a concept. Tony, just to your uh, picture in picture point, uh, I, I don't own a television. I have a projector, so I can blow it up to like 200 inches or something like that. And so every year since I've gotten that projector, I've cracked up at somebody like you. I see it a lot. You know, I think Jill did it. I think Greg did it. Where the, everyone complained about this picture in picture thing. And I still have like a nice like 55 inches of like basketball to watch on the side. So whenever I see, <laughs> I just kind of like twirl my Monopoly Man mustache and put on my monocle and laugh at the pores down in the down that have to watch actual televisions. But like, it's one of my favorite things in the world. I look forward to it every summer league. It's just like, okay, I'm waiting for who's going to have the first picture in picture tweet. And, and, and I think it was you this year, Tony. I think you were the, I, I do it every year. It's crazy. <laughs> and it's it, insane. it cracks me yeah. up in the, in yeah. the most heinous and evil of ways. Tony is right. He is, he is right. right. <laughs> Thank you. He is, he is. Absolutely I just want right. to watch my bad basketball. Is that yeah. <laughs> me too. Yeah. Me too. It's perfect. Yes, absolutely. So for everyone here at, at the King's Herald, the rich and the poor alike, I'd like to uh, to thank you for uh, for listening to another episode. Um, again, we're going to move on over now to, to Patreon and have an episode up there. And uh, we're going to answer some more of these uh, fans' questions. Uh, in fact, I'd, I'd venture to guess even more of them are down, down the pike and uh, even weirder ones than the ones that we got to today. So um, if you find it in your heart to come find uh, $5 in your wallet and drop it to listen to that episode, we'd really appreciate it. Otherwise, uh, we'll see you in two weeks and uh, go Kings. Go Kings.